Welcome to the peony. Uh, I'm Lex. I'm Julia. And we are your hosts of uh, <laughs> of the peony. <laughs> um, One day yeah. we'll give you a scripted and like professional <laughs> intro, but then again, Why? knowing us, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I nah, no. What's the point? Yeah. Today, uh, we've got an exciting episode coming up for you guys. Uh, we are going to be hanging out with Nicole Knudsen um, from the Godfrey Audio Guide podcast, which is a fictional podcast. And we'll talk more with Nicole, but the way she sort of pitched it to me when she was initially coming up with it was like if the Getty, like an, a Getty audio tour meets the Winchester Mystery House. So it's a lot of fun if you haven't giving it a listen i highly recommend it but we'll get more into that later yeah and it is i binged it because each episode mm -hmm. is like under 15 minutes or so it's yeah. like they're bite-sized it's so thoughtfully done yeah. i was laughing i was crying i was raging i was relating <laughs> there's an episode yeah. about like a piece of art that just throws you into a perpetual existential crisis and i'm like that's literally my life mm -hmm. in this moment it's just mm -hmm so thoughtful and so well done and I was listening to it and I was like we really do just show up here at the p and &E fuck <laughs> off this is what thoughtfulness <laughs> looks like yeah Nicole is very professional uh and we're your two two dingbats just having a good time also <laughs> and I will say this to her when she's on uh-huh if the Gossip Girl reboot has not tapped her to be the voice of Gossip Girl, they <gasps> are that show's gonna fail. It's gonna crash and burn. <laughs> I'm calling it right yeah. now. Her voice, as soon as she came in through my ear pods, I was like, her voice is just meant for this. Yeah, she has such a beautiful, resonant, warm. And she knows how to use her voice, so there are a lot of creepy factors to it, but I think she cuts through it by like keeping it really upbeat. But the things she's saying, you're like, I think I'm gonna die. <laughs> like, wait, yeah. hold on. It's fantastic. It's so great. So yeah. we're really excited to talk to her. Um, so our prompt for this week is related to sort of related to podcasting and and everything in general, but um like the reason we started this was because both of us have a love for pop culture. We really feel that like art informs everything that we do. And at the core of that is storytelling. Both of us love storytelling. We are storytellers. Um, so my question for you today, Julia, oh is what was either the moment and or the piece of art that made you want to become a storyteller? Mm. <laughs> wow 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 um man um I think for me it is it was probably watching Big Daddy the Adam Sandler movie uh -huh. to be yeah. honest to be honest yeah, yeah, yeah. and um it, it just was that first movie that my friend group in school would quote and laugh about. And like, just yeah. it was that movie. And, and at that moment, I was like, I want to do this. Like, I want to make people mm -hmm. laugh. I want to make mm -hmm. people giggle. I want to make people just feel good. I want people to know that even if they, if life is shitty or if they get dealt 
unfortunate circumstances or circumstances that they think that they can't kind of live up to or, or face that I can bring levity to that situation, make them giggle, make them chuckle. So I'm always going for a laugh. I think I'm also, when you're with me in person, I'm very mm -hmm. much a physical comedy person. I love Lucille Ball and my I'm a very expressionate person. And so I, I love short of like jackass, stupid stunts. I will do anything to make you laugh. And also, as I've grown up, I've watched Adam Sandler and I've watched his career kind of grow, obviously. But I, I'm like, oh, so this dude writes these movies with his friends, mm -hmm. gets the funding for it. And basically, the whole thing is like, how can we have a good time, giggle, uh, make other people giggle, but do it in exotic locations with like hot A-list <laughs> like actors, right? Like have, yeah. I'm Adam Sandler. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get Jennifer Aniston to go to Hawaii with me with all my friends playing bit roles. I'm going to go to Africa with Drew Barrymore and Bella Thorne and like this whole like Terry Crews and this like cast of characters and we're just going to have jokes and fun. And it's just like, he is always looking out for people. And so I just feel like that's the, that's the part of storytelling that gets me is I'm, I just want to, I just want people to feel like they're safe, that they can laugh at life, no matter how dark it gets and that they'll get through to the other side of whatever they're going through. So that's big beautiful. daddy. Thank you. I Thank love you. that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's also like I think a lot of times films or television, like certain quotes, when you get to quote that with your friends and you make them laugh, like I, mm -hmm. I almost feel like those are, I don't want to say it's like your first introduction to comedy, but it is like, mm -hmm. it can be for a lot of people that first taste of like, oh, that's a fun feeling. I like that feeling. I like the feeling of making people laugh. Yeah. Hmm. How do I get more of that? And how do we do it like on my own? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can do that. Yeah, 100%. So okay. I've 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 honed the skill for sure because Oh, absolutely. <laughs> as as we've discovered on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So as mm -hmm. I've I used to be one of those really annoying storytellers that would give you too much detail. Mhm. Mm I would go into like ev like every little thing sets the scene and by the time I reach the climax of the story you're like I already tuned out because you were telling me what co color mm -hmm. the sofa cushions were and that's irrelevant. And so now I'm like all right, succinctness. Succinctness. That's not Economy a good word for words. a podcast. Succinctness? Oh, it's better when you say it. I had to think I really hard about it. And say you know it's slow. <laughs> Before we hopped on, I did ask you if a Sudafed was non-drowsy or not because I took one for my allergies right before I was feeling yeah. a little garbled. And you know, I guess in like 15 minutes, we're gonna find out yeah. what I'm either gonna go super off the rails and speedball through this this entire show and just <laughs> all of a sudden get very clear in my language or i'm just gonna be over here like <sighs> do you do you watch uh or have you watched i think it's called ghost adventures with zach bagans you just did the perfect zach bagans impression and the the look on your face is very much like no he's like a a bro bros 
basically he's a yeah. ghost bro he like wears ed hardy shirts and when he talks he's like this house is the most haunted house in all of nevada like it's very dramatic very over the top and that was a, like a spot-on impression that you did what's his name i think i dated him does he live on Staten island <laughs> I have no idea where he's from. He lives in Nevada now or Las Vegas specifically. So Okay, that that checks out. That checks out. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. So tell me about your moment or your piece of art that you that like started this for you. Yeah, so it's sort of a little twofold. Um so when I was in I think like first or second grade, uh some of the older students did a production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and it was pretty silly um like looking back on it now i'm like oh like all the costumes and like the setting and everything like the sets all was made out of like construction paper you know goodwill uh finds which that's that's theater in 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 elementary school um but i just remember watching it and like being so caught up in people telling a story where they clearly were like they weren't themselves and i remember Mm -hmm. pretty distinctly the the evil queen she was she was having such a good time being the villain and just like little x was like this is great i'm obsessed with this that feeling that i had watching it like getting so wrapped up and swept away in the story i i wanted to be able to do that to somebody else and Mm -hmm. then i also found myself around the same time watching edward scissorhands for the first time and getting that same feeling specifically with johnny depp as as edward like he he has like maybe I don't know like five or eight lines on the whole film like he doesn't he doesn't say a lot but he's mm-hmm. so just based off of his expressions and the way that he impacts the other characters around him you just get caught up in his story and, mm-hmm. and what he's going through and I was like oh like you don't even have to say a lot to do the thing mm-hmm. um and I yeah I just remember like getting really sucked into the world of Edward Scissorhands and this like little production of Snow White and wanting to do that. And Mm -hmm. then the further I got into it, the more I realized you could use storytelling as a way to let people know that they're not alone and Mm -hmm. that you can always find something to relate to. And as I got older, it became books like Harry Mm -hmm. Potter was a huge one. You know, I've, I related so much to Hermione Granger as sort of being the like, insufferable know-it-all who you know got really good grades and is she a capricorn no she's born at the end of september i love that you know that she's probably a libra yeah yeah she's a libra Um, i could see that (laughs) although i feel like i feel like i don't know maybe your experience was different but i feel like i don't find that annoying at all like yes you're smart Yes, you're on the ball, mm. and like, thankfully, so because look who the other part of this podcast <laughs> is, Adam fucking Please. Sandler over here. I wish, <laughs> but oh, yeah. I, well, I think as a kid, like, there's so much to unpack with this. But as a kid, I like felt very much like a like I had to be the good kid. I had mm-hmm. to be the perfectionist. I like had to get good grades, and so it was something where. You know, if we were in class and the teacher asked, you know, asked a question, my hand was like immediately up. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it, too, is I just loved learning. And I um, like I there are times I'm like, oh, I really miss college. I'm like, what was it about college? And I one proximity to your friends. 
mm-hmm. especially after this past year where I'm like, I haven't seen anybody mm-hmm. in, in 45 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, being able to see your friends very easily. But it was like learning in that kind mm-hmm. of environment, mm-hmm. um, having facts and figures and trivial knowledge just like dumped into your brain all mm-hmm. of the time. I I really enjoyed that as a kid. So it when people would ask those questions and I knew it, it wasn't like a, let me prove everybody else wrong, but it was like, oh, I know this thing and this mm-hmm. is so exciting and I found it really interesting. So I just related to Hermione a lot as a kid. Yeah. Now that I'm older, I'm like, I'm Harry. I just kind of show Ooh. up, wing it, do pretty well. It's fine. You are Great. the chosen one. <laughs> and... <laughs> So, and so that was, like, how I got into storytelling was through. Yeah. Through seeing those things as a kid. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because a lot, like, all three of those are kind of fantasy genre yeah. type things. Yeah. And I think, taking it back to Harry Potter, there's a part where the Minister of Magic meets the Prime Minister of England. Mm-hmm. And the Prime Minister of England is, like... Because the, the Minister of Ma- Magic is like, hey, there's some really terrible wizards out there. Yeah. Um, you know, they're starting to creep into your world. Yep. Uh, it's getting dangerous. And the Prime Minister asks, well, like, you guys have magic. Why can't you do, like, just do something mm-hmm. about it? And the Minister of Magic's response is, well, they, the bad guys have magic, too. So the thing that I've always loved about fantasy is, yes, you have magic and you have these wonderful worlds and creatures, but the thing that I've always loved is, at the core, the experience and the emotions are, you can, you feel that in our world Mm -hmm. too. So even though the circumstances are different, there are a lot of things that I think you can find very relatable Mm -hmm. Um, for me, especially as I got older and things happened. I, I related, I think the reason why now I'm like, Harry! Um, I just related to kind of how he viewed the world mm-hmm. and and also the way he processes his grief. And it was for me, like when I lost my mom, it was a going back and rereading Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. It was a way to like know that I wasn't the only one experiencing that feeling mm-hmm. and that I could reach out and start talking to people and kind of like process that loss. Mm-hmm. Um even though he was a wizard in this like weird magical world. I think that's what's really beautiful about fantasy, you know, any any type of storytelling, mm-hmm. but uh, in particular with fantasy, it was like even even if you are in this magical world, you you mm-hmm. still suffer loss, you still yeah. find certain jokes really funny, like you mm-hmm. can still have the wide range of human emotions because at the end of the day, the characters are human. They're still who they are. Yeah. That's beautiful. Even if they're a dwarf. Yeah. Well, well, you have also seen a Dementor at least once in your life. So remember that episode that we did on ghost stories or or haunted stories or whatever it was? And you were like, there was a Dementor or there was like a a swirling darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I have? Was it the time when I made a costume for my friend and she was a Dementor? Did I tell you about that? Might be a wizard. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I knew it at first. I was like, what is she talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the ghost story. I totally forgot about that. I didn't, obviously. I still think about it once a week. I'm like, fuck, I can't imagine sitting on the couch and all of a sudden there's just this like 
horrible <laughs> swirling presence. I was just trying to the enjoy, house down. Just trying to enjoy VH1 behind the music. You know, like, <laughs> let me live my life. Yep. Damn. Yeah. God, I need to know Pink's story. Um, um, we all need to know Pink's story. I know. We're rolling. Mark. Hello, I'm Sky. And I'm Ford. Together, we form the writing partnership of L. Skyford. We're excited to bring you Booklandia, a new podcast about books. On Booklandia, we review books, mostly. Honestly, mostly romance books. We'll occasionally discuss book topics, like our favorite and least favorite romance book tropes. Maybe one day I'll learn what a cinnamon roll is. Maybe. Perhaps we'll also dive into my psyche and why I hate the enemies to lovers trope and why it's such a popular one. Is it because you're a robot? Probably. We will absolutely spoil books for you. We will absolutely fucking curse. And you will leave each episode knowing just how sexy we thought each book was. Did it make us want to get naked? Maybe. I'm definitely naked. (laughs) Probably. So am I. So please join (laughs) us on Booklandia, (laughs) where each book is a whole world to explore. And we're out. Hello, Nicole. Hello. I am happy to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, hopping on with us. I'm obsessed um, with you. <laughs> in a non-creepy way. In like a, I'm a fan of your work way. Well, thank you. <laughs> for our listeners who don't uh, or haven't had an opportunity to listen yet to the Godfrey Audio Guide, it is a fiction podcast. Uh, that Nicole is the creator, writer, director, editor, actor, all the things uh, of, and yeah, I guess we'll, we'll kind of like start at the beginning, I think, in terms of, or Nicole, like what's your, what's your sort of sum, summary of your, of, of the Godfrey? I envisioned it and, and it's, is what it kind of has become of, it's a mashup of picture whatever fine art museum is near you and the Winchester Mystery House. Like that was sort of the kernel of the idea that, um, you know, as these things do kind of come from out of the blue, but it's really just all all of the different influences and things that you encounter throughout your life just coalescing um, for the spark of an idea. And that was sort of the the premise and the sort of the conceit of the show is that you are a patron um, taking the audio tour of this museum and this estate. The show features both like real world art pieces and I will sometimes include like actual like facts about those pieces and some real art history and then there's some weird shit that I make up and it's (laughs) sometimes spooky, sometimes sweet, um, mostly spooky and creepy. There is continuity throughout the, the show. Like if I introduce an artist in one episode and then feature a different artist or or feature that same artist later on, I'm going to assume you remember who they are. Uh, And I'm going to assume that you remember Mm -hmm. this weird thing that happened to you a few episodes Mm -hmm. back. Um, But as far as like, Mm -hmm. there isn't really a plot because it's just you wandering through this place. But yeah, so continuity, but no plot. And it's a little spooky, sometimes funny. Uh, it's it's really hard to describe. I've been trying to describe it for a year, yeah. um, and I I have yet to find a concise elevator speech. <laughs> no, I I think it. I definitely experienced all of the things listening to it. Like there are some episodes that are a little more romantic. There are some that are a little more spooky, a little more funny. I was telling Lex the 
the the existential crisis i think it was the mirror episode with the existential (laughs) you stare into the void i was Mm -hmm. like well if this ain't literally everyone's life in the pandemic (laughs) so so yeah it has the full spectrum of emotions and i feel like it's something that you can go back to an episode that particularly struck an emotion within you at that time if you want to revisit it um so yeah yeah it was it was really really cool do you have what is your background do you have a background in art history how did how did this come about uh no that is a big old no um wikipedia is my best friend (laughs) oh hell yeah Um, but uh, i i just i come from it as loving museums and and loving art and um like the the only sort of official art history class that I ever took it was a GE when I was in college and it was the arts of Asia antiquity to 1400 and it was exciting as it sounds um (laughs) (laughs) um and it I in hindsight I appreciate it much more now because like there are some things that I have retained that are like really cool to know but it was just it may have just been the professor where it was just so dry and like yeah. Where was this piece of pottery found and what dynasty was it from and what region of uh China did it come from and it was a lot of just like and maybe that's what art history is and that was you know just kind of a crash course into what is involved. I mean, I know dates and and time periods and and artistic styles are obviously very important and very relevant, but it was just kind of the rote memorization that we had to do that mm-hmm. really put me off of that class because I liked learning about oh, it like no. like um you know the 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 terracotta soldiers, they were very I forget yeah. who, yeah. you know, which emperor so it dope. was. Like we studied like that as like a piece and learning that that like they were kind of mass produced and they were like, mm-hmm. they were a little like Legos, like eight different heads and like six different torsos so they could mix and match to create the illusion of like a bunch oh. of individual um, and unique soldiers in this emperor's tomb. So like that's super dope, but it yeah. was buried under like in uh, 1300 BC. It was, yeah. <laughs> I think know. that's very similar to our last episode where we talked about Shakespeare and how Shakespeare and his mm-hmm. work has been elevated and put on this pedestal. And when in reality, like, he's just like an empathetic person who writes really great characters and puts dick jokes in all his stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, that's the fun stuff. Like, that's the stuff that we should be talking about yeah this is what we should be learning about like as as you were telling as you were talking about that class nicole just, i took an art history class uh at my college before Trent, nicole and i went to college together at, at usc so that's how yeah. we met and before i went there i was at Antelope valley college and i had a teacher who we told us about the statue of david and how it was actually like created as a giant fuck you to the i think it was the medici family who was sort of like monopolizing Italy and had a really strong like a strong grasp on Italy but he would go more into the history of like why this artwork was created Mm -hmm. and just bums me out when people are like I took a class and it was just dates and times I'm like no yeah it's so cool but I'm excited that you get to do that (laughs) like for yourself now and and the way you've woven in some really iconic art pieces into 
the podcast and, and how that sort of informs what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's just a lot of, you know, research on, on my end. And like I said, Wikipedia is my best friend. I do follow up on like the mm-hmm. sources that are cited within mm-hmm. Wikipedia to be like, okay, but who actually wrote this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this actually true? Um, and, you yeah. know, going going beyond just the surface level Wikipedia research, but that it is a huge starting point for, for me who does not have, you know, an, a pre-existing foundation in this stuff. And like, I have to look stuff up all the time. Like, what did I say? What period was this? What style is this? Um, Cause I want it to sound real. Like I've had one or two people being like, you know, who I've tricked them. They think that I know what I'm talking about, but in fact I do not. Um, I'm just a good researcher and can, can BS my way through it. Um, but uh, yeah, it just comes from, you know, I, I like it. I like talking about it. I like visiting museums. This has certainly been an educational experience for me of like, oh, that's so cool. Or like, I didn't know what this type of, you know, medium was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Are you, what's your process like? So the, the show follows like a, a pretty specific structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it deviates from it every once in a while, but there's almost always two featured art pieces and then like an announcement from the museum in the middle or um, come visit the gift shop or mm-hmm. like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. It starts with me just like kind of collecting pieces and like doing research and like, oh, that's cool. Let me, like, I have a list of you know, artists to check out who haven't been featured yet. I would just like, mm-hmm. I should dive into here. Or like if I'm writing a new episode, it's like, is there anything in here that I've already kind of pulled from my internet searches? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like doing random artwork generators, like wikiart.org uh, has like a random, it's like artwork of the day type thing. And you can like refresh it to get a new one. So that's, if I'm feeling like really stuck and don't really know what to do, I'll just kind of sift through that and be like, oh, what's this? This looks cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So it starts there with like picking a piece that I feel like belongs Mm -hmm. in the world of the Godfrey. Because there are some pieces that I really love or I think are really beautiful, but I don't know how to fit them in. So it's like, well, sorry, maybe later I'll figure (laughs) it out, but not now. Um, So as far as like real world um, art pieces that I feature, it's you know, following artists online. So that's for like the real world existing art pieces. And then I will do searches on for like royalty free images Mm -hmm. for inspiration for the, the fake art pieces. So yeah, it's just kind of, you know, grabbing little bits and pieces and like sometimes, like sometimes I will structure an episode so that the two pieces kind of like blend together and like Mm -hmm. inform each other. And sometimes it's just like, I like these two and they're going in together. Hope it makes sense. Like, so sometimes it is a, the, the placing of pieces within episodes is sometimes more thoughtful than at other times. But um, that's really where it starts of, of just finding pieces that, you know, yeah. speak to me. And then in terms of the context around it, I'm thinking of a very specific episode in my mind. I'm thinking of the Cubes episode. <laughs> that one made me laugh so hard. And I, and so I'm just like, okay, well, you have your, your kind of anchor, the, the two pieces that you want to talk about. Like, how do you then build this context around it to come up with something like the Cubes episode? Sure. Um, so context for the listeners who have not uh, 
mm-hmm. checked out the Godfrey audio guide. This is in episode three, so it's very early on, and there are these like kind of giant cubes that are like big enough to fit a person and they basically like if you step into one you teleport from one to another and tour guide which is me in the show is like please don't run please stop running um I don't know that was one that was very specifically uh influenced by a royalty free image that I found Mm -hmm. and it was of just like kind of steel or what looked to be steel cube like frames like you could see through them and they were all kind of at odd angles and were suspended um, kind of all over whatever space this was. I have no idea how big they actually were. I don't know where the idea came from to have them be (laughs) teleporting cubes. (laughs) Um, I just thought that they were cool and like, how can I make this weird and not just aesthetically pleasing? And like interactive as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's also thinking of like my experiences at museums and like okay, so it's, there are sometimes like interactive exhibits and mm-hmm. they encourage you to you know either touch the thing or like look into like the viewfinder to watch a film or you know there are so many things where it's like please you know obviously don't touch anything in the world of the Godfrey that that's bad news um, <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> But, like, drawing on those types of things of, like, what might be here? Mm. The thing that I love so much is that you've built this really specific world. So there's, uh, as you were talking about, um, every now and then an ad for the gift shop is introduced or is dropped in. And listeners, do yourself a favor and go listen to the Godfrey. But there's this really fun thing that you've done where basically every time you go into the gift shop, it's the same gift shop. It doesn't matter where you are in the museum. It will just take you back to the same gift shop. And it's just so specific and so funny. And um, was there anything that influenced sort of that kind of world building that you were doing? Probably the biggest influence on the show has been Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, I feel like Welcome to Night Vale is Mm -hmm. a lot of people's kind of starter audio fiction. Um, Mm -hmm. And like I've heard all of the episodes. I really love it. And like something that I intentionally borrowed from that world was how the horrifying is mundane and the mundane is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like that sort of, and the, the sense that all of the weird shit, the kind of spooky and sometimes dangerous stuff that goes on at the Godfrey is just like, yeah, that's just, that just happens here sometimes. And you know, we just (laughs) got to deal with it. Uh, So that I, I very deliberately took that sensibility from that show because uh, for me, at least, that's where a lot of, like, the humor of Welcome to Night Vale comes from for me mm-hmm. personally. And I really wanted to, like, infuse that into um, the Godfrey Audio Guide. Uh, so that's kind of where that type of mid-episode section. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that specific thing, because that's introduced in the very first episode of, like, all exhibits lead to the same gift shop. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, came to me in the shower of just, like, oh, I know how mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. Like... <laughs> Shower is a great place for ideas. Mark my words. <laughs> yep. We've had this conversation. Say, yep. Yes. yep. Shower ideas. And, uh, um... I think that's also a very specific feeling that anyone who's ever been to museums can grasp of 
you can walk through a museum and it'll be total like each one will be totally different like i'm from new york so i'll use those as my reference points but like walking through the met is different than walking through moma is different walking through the whitney you know but the gift shop is almost always the same wherever you go like it's just that and i feel like you captured lightning in a bottle with that <laughs> feeling of like yes that gift shop is is a place of truly horror and the mundane all in one and it's all overpriced <laughs> oh yeah. yeah 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 you want 15 dollars for what a piece of chocolate mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i also think like sort of a guiding thing for me of like if i have an idea and it makes me laugh it goes into the show like yeah <laughs> i was uh realizing some of the episodes and we were doing like an advertisement for uh, art classes that you can take at the Godfrey. <laughs> and I cackled so hard. But then my favorite part is where you're like, and for our most experienced artists, <laughs> we will be offering finger painting where you'll be painting fingers, just fingers, <laughs> no hands. And I, it's such a disturbing image mm-hmm. and also so funny. And again, I think it is like Julia and I were talking about how you, you mm-hmm. have such a phenomenal voice, like such a beautiful narration. Um, and you do this wonderful thing where you'll be talking about something mm-hmm. that's kind of creepy or disgusting, but you're so perky about it <laughs> that you're like, this is, yeah, I'm yes. uncomfortable <laughs> and I can't stop <laughs> laughing. And it just such a fantastic storytelling. I believe my exact verbiage before you hopped on was if the Gossip Girl reboot did not call you to be the voice of the new Gossip Girl, then that whole show is just going to crash and burn because they made a horrible mistake. (laughs) As soon as I heard, yeah, as soon as I heard you reading like Uh, that, because in the the first episode, you read kind of the guide rules, the guidelines of of the audio guide and and the exhibits and all that. And Mm -hmm. As you were reading them, I was like, this voice holds all the secrets. All of them. <laughs> yeah, It does, because I write all the secrets. <laughs> XOXO, Annabelle Godfrey. Mm. <laughs> Which, Annabelle sh- is Gossip Girl. <laughs> Wait, she's A. Hold on, sorry. I've never watched the show. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I haven't either. I just know XOXO. A is for Pretty Little Liars. So now we're, but it's okay because now we're just doing crossover stuff. I mean, aren't they basically the same show? I say this having never watched either. Yes, 100%. 100%. People, you just, those are the shows that you watch and you're like, people that I went to high school with were not this hot and did not have this much drama. We're not 25. (laughs) didn't murder anyone that i'm aware of but who knows yeah i have no idea yeah (laughs) the character of annabelle is majestic she's passed away and so we don't ever meet her but we hear about her through this audio guide and we just get all of these layers to her what What's that like for you, like thinking of Annabelle and and how you're going to frame her in these episodes and, you know, what informs your writing of her as a character? So Annabelle was always very much a free spirit, like from the very beginning, like even before Mm -hmm. I had a name for her, it's like I knew that like it's 
for for the listeners, it's uh, the full name of the Godfrey Estate is the Annabelle H. Godfrey Historic Estate and Museum. Like she founded it, she you know it's it's her baby. I knew from the very very beginning that a lot of the things in the museum would be things that she would be drawn to. A lot of what is featured is like thing. It's her personal collection, basically. And obviously, since she's like passed away, uh, the estate has continued on and is sort of like continuing her sort of aesthetic because there are much more recent pieces, all of which I have made up because I'm personally, as a creator, a little nervous about featuring things by actual living artists Mm -hmm. um, without their permission. But yeah, so it's just, I really dig into, you know, I want to make someone who genuinely didn't give a fuck (laughs) and just experiencing Mm -hmm. and, and sort of exploring what that means and the little snippets of her life that are explored and kind of highlighted briefly in various episodes and in various, um, sort of item discussions. I wish I had a more articulate answer than that, but it's just, she was just, she is a force to be reckoned with. And, and, um, just the, the excitement and the fun of getting to explore a personality like that, who, you know, lived her life on her terms and who, you know, lived passionately in all manner of, of ways that you can live passionately. Um, so that's, that's been really fun. I, I always really like when, when an episode is pretty Annabelle centric, cause it's, it's always just fun, like writing in her voice mm-hmm. of like, just yeah. someone who is mm-hmm. never afraid to share their opinion. <laughs> <laughs> is Annabelle still on the estate in some shape or form? <laughs> or is that something that oh you'll reveal to us later? <laughs> Uh, I, I wish I had an answer for that. And I genuinely don't. (laughs) It'll come to you in the shower. Yeah. I mean, but that, that, that's a great like question in that it, there's so much about the world that I don't know until I get there. Mm -hmm. And I I will tell you that the narrator is not Annabelle. Mm -hmm. The narrator is a separate entity. I don't know what that narrator is. Um, and it hasn't been relevant to gossip explain girl. it so far. It's Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. It's all <laughs> coming fantastic. together. Uh, yeah, but there there are parts of this world and this universe and this estate that I don't know exist until I have the idea for them. As the show is, you know, presenting this estate, I am also learning about it. So there, there are things that I, I don't know and don't have an yeah. answer to. Have you... Okay, because this is sort of a living, breathing world um, that you're discovering as you're writing it, are you finding that the state of the world that we live in, um, that episodes have been heavily informed by things that are going on? Um, Because there, and I I remember texting you that there's an episode um, that has a painting of, I think it's, three or four women dancing in the woods and you you go into this discourse about uh what is virginity is it even real what is womanhood and you get pretty pointed with with it and it's wonderful and it was a moment where i was just like Mm -hmm. fuck yes like yes so have Mm -hmm. you have you changed episodes or um maybe changed direction in a particular episode because of anything that was going on externally Oh yeah, um, 
The answer is yes, in a lot of ways. For instance, I launched this show, like I launched the trailer um, at the end of May of last year with the intention of shortly thereafter uh, launching the first episode. And then George Floyd was Mm -hmm. murdered, the world exploded, Mm -hmm. and it was like, I'm going to, well, one, this is a bad time. I'm going to wait a few weeks until... Not until things calm down, because fuck that. <laughs> Don't calm down. Don't mm-hmm. calm down about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just yeah. a bad time. But it was. It also made me realize uh, in a more concrete way that I, I never wanted this show to be a showcase for dead white dudes. Mm-hmm. And I realized, be, I talked about the, the wiki art, like, daily, like, random painting generator. Mm-hmm. And I realized I had a hell of a lot of dead white dudes and Mm. it's like, I need to be, so I moved more away from that Mm -hmm. and being more deliberate about seeking out, um, BIPOC artists, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and, and all of that. And like being exceptionally aware that listeners, I am a white person, um, and museums as a whole, as like the monolith of museums are historically and currently gatekeeping institutions Mm -hmm. that are that uphold colonialist standards of what is fine art of what is beautiful of who can make fine art and just being hyper aware of that even more so than I was like setting out to do this show um so I there was a piece uh it's uh the harp by Augusta Savage that Mm -hmm. I had written and had intended for it to be much later it was just like I just kind of put pieces into episodes like as I wrote them but that one got bumped way up Mm because I I knew that I needed to start like diversifying um who who I was featuring Mm -hmm. and and actually in a related note like part of the reason why Annabelle has so many um romantic partners throughout her life Mm -hmm. and why most of them are women uh there's of who we've met, there's three women, one non, uh, non-binary person, and one man. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's so heavily skewed to women was so I could feature female artists mm-hmm. in a mm. an easier way to find. Yeah. Because, of course, women have been making art forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because of colonialism, because of sexism, because of so many isms, it is harder to find their stuff. Yeah. It's not impossible. You, it, it is out there. It does exist. And I have featured, you know, historical uh, female artists. But, like, I wanted to be able to buffer the art featured on the show by women, even if it was, you know, unfortunately a fictional person. Yeah. Um, but I, I... So that was definitely, like, real-world consciousness, like, informing, like, when things were featured and, like, how I went about finding stuff. Um, also... I feel like the the mid episode sections, like the announcements or the bulletins, or you know the things that is being told to the listener, the patron of of the estate, you know, by the powers that be at the Godfrey of like, hey, are you looking for a job? We pay hazard pay because anybody risking their lives to work somewhere should be compensated accordingly. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> hey, the bathrooms are rejecting the gendered signs. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. those are like a couple that are coming to mind, but you, there are, it is very pointed <laughs> to yeah. answer your question. And that's, I hadn't realized like 
well, I also don't know if we talked about it, but just how much you had like shifted things around because of last summer. But that was something that I know you were very conscientious of, of including more diverse artists and trying to highlight black and brown and indigenous artists, uh, female artists. And I, it's so, it always like makes me smile whenever it gets really pointed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> Yeah, and just to go back to uh, the example that you brought up of um, it's The Virgin by Gustav Klimt yes. mm-hmm. uh, is the, the painting that you're talking about. And that's, I just, in general, I hate the word virgin. Mm-hmm. Not because, it's not like how some people are averse to the word moist. It's, <laughs> it's I hate, I hate the word virgin because, and I, I sort of go into it, into the piece, because yeah. it was really just me talking Um, uh, in that episode of like there is no equivalent word for the opposite state of being so what is a virgin it's someone who has never had sex and you can define sex however you choose to define it there is no word for the opposite state of being that isn't derogatory particularly to women or does not bind you to someone else like wife mother it's Mm -hmm. like yeah. You are being then being defined as your role to someone else. Mm-hmm. So that's why. That's why I hate that word. <laughs> yeah. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I know and imagine that the research is a very heavy lift for you. What's been the, the most difficult thing kind of piecing this together? So there's that. What's been the most difficult thing piecing this podcast together? But also, like, what's been the most rewarding part for you as a storyteller? You know, I think I've I've gotten into like a rhythm at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it was just the initial uh, kind of launch of the show and figuring out what the fuck is this? Like I have an <laughs> yeah. idea. I know what I want to do, but what's the format? Should an episode only be featuring one piece? Should it be more than two? Like uh, what is this world? I started brainstorming what would become this show I think my earliest notes are from July of 2019. So like I was ruminating on this for months and months before actually just sitting down and be like, fuck it, let me write something and see what it turns out to be. Um, So I think that was, that was probably the most challenging as far as most of the heavy lifting and also I had never launched a podcast before it's like what do you mean I need a hosting site mm-hmm. what do you I can't just send mm-hmm. it to Apple podcasts and be like please put this on your platform thank you um it was like all of those things that like I had never encountered before and was like okay we need this and oh shit we need social media and, oh fuck we need an email address and like oh crap I gotta design show art and like ah fuck um so it was <laughs> so it was all of those things that you know, you can't know that you need them until you know that you need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, over the course of writing the show, there's there are always pieces that are, you know, every once in a while where it's like, I, I picked you and I picked you for a reason, but that was a month ago and I don't remember why. And I'm going to try to make you fit because <laughs> I don't want to look for another piece. Um, those are more, like, specific as far as this I had a vision for what this section was going to be like, and it took a sharp left turn, which isn't really a bad thing, but it is, it can be frustrating when you're trying trying to, you know, craft an episode. Yeah. As far as the most 
rewarding thing. Honestly, like putting something that I made out into the world and people really responding to it. Yeah. I mean, the show is still very small, but like having people who do not have to say anything mm-hmm. um, if they listen to it being like, hey, I really like this episode or I really love the show or I mean, everybody loves praise, but it's it, it's so different when it's a thing that is so personal and has come from you. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, I made one person's day with a thing that I've made. Yeah, it matters. I'm good. Yeah. 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 Oh no, cuz I I I started this as a means of creating my own work cuz like I'm also, you know, an actor, same as Lex and mm-hmm. and I've It's funny to think of now because the last year everyone's been in a casting drought, mm-hmm. but prior to that it had been like years of like booking a thing or two here and there, but it was just a really long dry spell as far as casting and I was tired of waiting for someone to tell me yes you can be in this thing I wanted to make something that (laughs) I laugh about (laughs) this now but in theory I could have done by myself Um, I do a lot of it on my own but my partner James is the sound designer and editor um, and god bless him honey I love you listen to this um for many reasons, and also for your uh, technical knowledge. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it started as, you know, a thing of, like, I want to put something out into the world. I don't want to wait to be given the go-ahead. And this is sort of the idea that stuck, and to have something that started from that place resonate with people is huge. Yeah, that's so meaningful. I was going to ask, because you mentioned in the, um, like, what the hardest part is sometimes, feeling blocked um, in terms of, like, where does this piece fit? Or finding a piece that is representative or, or something like that. So it, do you get writer's block or, or creative block? Oh, and yeah. how do you, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. how do you deal with that? How do you recognize it? How do you overcome it? How do you not get down on yourself about it? I mean, it, I've been doing the well particularly this show but you know just being a creative person for a long time now and knowing that it does end eventually and it may be like maybe you're just really tired maybe Mm. it's not working today but if you get a good night's sleep tonight maybe you'll be in a better place tomorrow um this past year you haven't left your apartment in a week Maybe go outside, get some sun. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's those little things that seem like so obvious, but like they can really help. And just we're all human, and we all run into roadblocks. Um, but something a little more more specific, because that's kind of very general advice. I am just by nature very much a perfectionist, and this show has been an exercise in letting that go that good enough mm-hmm. is probably still good because I know for me like I've like written other things before and like have created other things before but they've never gotten off the ground because I've I've been like they're not ready yet they're not ready yet mm-hmm. and it's like it's probably going to be fine mm-hmm. and having to remind myself of that and like and if I make a mistake shit happens it's fine um i don't have this with me, but in front of uh, hanging on my desk, I have a little note that I wrote to myself, uh, and it's perfection is a myth, which is true, but I also wrote it and had to stop myself from rewriting it because myth was (laughs) off-center, and every time I look at it, 
every time I look at it, it's a reminder that it's okay if it's not perfect. <laughs> I admire you so much right now. Perfection is a myth. And yeah. if you are waiting for everything to be perfect, you, I mean, maybe that'll happen, but you can't bank on that because things are never done. You just choose to stop working on them. Yeah. Wow. For me, like sort of the, the process is I will write the rough draft of an episode. I will edit the rough draft. And then there's usually a buffer of like, I don't know how long, but it is some like a few weeks uh, as far as time away from the episode before we actually sit down to record it. So we've got the rough draft and the first edit, which mm-hmm. happens pretty close to each other. And then there's that buffer time before we're about to record. And like in the day or two before we sit down to record, I'll go through it one more time to see if there's anything that I missed or like could polish up or what have you. And then we record it. And that's all the time I give myself because if I keep sitting on it, it will never get done. Having deadlines help too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A what now? Yeah. <laughs> what are deadlines? Yeah. And like, Hey, guess what? We need a new episode this Friday. It's got to be done. Yeah. With this like world that you've created in this process of storytelling. So our prompt for this week was, what was the initial piece of art or film or moment in time for you where you were like, storytelling is the thing that I want to do? Like where that just sort of hit you and you're like, oh yeah, that's the thing. Um, I think I... It's not really a specific instance, um, but my fourth grade teacher, who I also had for fifth grade as well, he was the person who really got me into theater. He did a lot of community theater. He was in a band. He wrote his own like musicals for, for like his students to do. And so like that was my introduction. And it was, you know, we took over the cafeteria. We had Mm -hmm. sets. We had microphones. Like it was like very, very high tech for nine-year-old Nicole. (laughs) And that was, that was definitely my introduction to the performing arts. So thanks, Dave Hushbeck. This is all your fault. And thank you so much. (laughs) Just start invoicing him for all of your student (laughs) loans. (laughs) So that was definitely, as far as acting goes, like Mm -hmm. that was the the spark uh that started that he was also the person who introduced me to Shakespeare because he would like cut down Shakespeare plays Mm -hmm. to be like an hour long he created these quote bard characters who basically would pause the action and would be narrators and like would crack jokes so the the Shakespearean text while really truncated was still Shakespeare's language like it wasn't modified at all but it would you would have these little like asides of like that means this and like them so yeah so that's the the acting side of it and as far as like writing I don't really know I just kind of started mm-hmm. one day and was <laughs> like oh I think I'm actually okay at this <laughs> and, well do you remember what the first thing you wrote was was I it mean, like a short story or a um, screenplay I think I read, or I read I wrote um like a little bit of poetry in high school, but also who, who hasn't? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, live journal baby. Oh yeah, yeah. I started writing a play that was sort of I wanted it to be a novel, but I didn't know how to write a novel, so I wrote it as a play first, and then I turned it into a novel. And then I wrote another play that Lex has been at a reading of, and mm-hmm. oh, God's fantastic. Fuck you, COVID, for so many reasons, but like had been 
talking to a theater company to be like, hey, do you want this? And then the world shut down. So anyway, so it's uh, written short stories. Um, None have been, you can't really find them anywhere. They're on my laptop, but. (laughs) Um, Not yet. Yeah, yeah, not yet. Uh, Well, that's not true. I, um, so there's this. The horror short stories? That's right. Um, So last Halloween or around Halloween, uh, Lex and I had stories featured in um, slightly spooky stories. Slightly unsettling stories. That's it. And mine's like a itty bitty, uh, like mini story. And they were all inspired by, I think, uh, drawings done Mm -hmm. by the person who like wrangled us all together and was like, hey, do you want to write this? I also have a story in uh, National Novel Writing Month uh, is for anybody who is unfamiliar, the month of November, the goal of NaNoWriMo, as it is um, abbreviated to, is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. I have never succeeded at that. However, um, <laughs> Julia. the... Uh, <laughs> Julia's face yeah. is amazing, and I wish I could, yeah, like... It's I, don't, I don't know if that's a lot or a little, but it sounds like it's a lot, but it also sounds like it could be manageable if you're disciplined enough, but I don't know if I'm disciplined enough, and now I'm spiraling. Um, yes. Yes, to all that. <laughs> Uh, it is a lot, and people can and do do it all the time. Yeah. Um, but the sort of Los Angeles group of admins, I guess, I'm not sure exactly how they're affiliated with like the overall NaNoWriMo uh, organization, but they publish uh, an anthology every year of NaNoWriMo participants, and they you know give a prompt, and this is the theme, and you have to include like this thing in your story. And 2019. Uh, I had a story in that anthology, and it's called Journey to Uncharted Lands. I should know this better than I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, I just kind of picked it up. I Like with art history, I have no formal writing training. Um, I just, I have read a lot, and I watch, I consume a lot of stories, and mm-hmm. I like to think I've developed a good critical eye for what works and what doesn't, and Maybe it doesn't work, but it's fun, so throw it in anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know. I I would say you absolutely do. So there you go. <laughs> for whatever that's worth. <laughs> well, th- thank you, like, for, for sharing all of that. Is there yeah. anything that you, especially with podcasting or just storytelling in general, is there any advice that you have for people who are maybe on the fence about diving into creating art of any kind um or any anything that you're like I don't want to say like oh if I had known better but yeah Mm -hmm. if I had known better like this would have been what I would have done differently and this is my advice for creators I think a, a big one and this is just the first thing that's coming to mind is that you know you don't need to have and I'm speaking specifically about like podcasting you don't Mm -hmm. need to have the highest level state-of-the-art equipment to make a good show if you have an idea that you're passionate about and you want to explore it and you have the time and dedication to put towards making it you do have to spend some money to have it sound decent but you like you know I'm recording this uh, and we recorded the first three episodes of the Godfrey on um, a blue snowball mic which is like $70 which is, I mean, not inexpensive, but it's inexpensive for a microphone considering um, <laughs> Julia is pointing to her snowball. That's literally well. what I'm using, yep. Yeah, and yeah. it's like you can you can get good quality 
sound with, you know, perfectly reasonably priced things. And if you can, you know, figure out, a, really the recording setup is gonna be huge. It's sound control, mm -hmm. it's, it's all of that. Um, so I would say don't let the fact that you don't have what you think is the right tools to get started, just make it. Just mm -hmm. make it and yeah. put it out there and like be serious about it if that's you know a thing that you wanna do. Just take what you got and run with it. And you can improve as you go. You can upgrade to better equipment as you go. You will become a better writer as you go. You will become you know a better actor as you go because that's just how life works. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and especially if you like put the work into it and you push yourself to get better, you will. Yeah, mm -hmm. the only way is up. Yeah, but it's that first stage of like, I'm gonna be bad at this. How do I get through the being bad at yeah. this to stick with it and be okay with it? Yeah. And Any advice there? I mean, apart from just sticking with it, but that's not useful. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I think it's always good to remember that you are always your harshest critic. And if something isn't exactly how you want it to be, or mm -hmm. isn't, you know, as good as you were hoping or whatever, chances are the average person won't even notice. Wow, what a relief but also yeah. like <laughs> shit i have to time. remind myself of that every fucking day <laughs> like like the little thing yeah. that is like so glaringly obvious to me is like oh, i don't really like how that turned out or i didn't like how i said that one line no one's gonna care except for you nicole it's fine like <laughs> It's the whole perfectionist oh, thing of like, you have to no, let that yeah. shit go. Um, otherwise you're never gonna make anything. You're never, or you're gonna make stuff, but you'll never get it to people who I presume you want to have them hear, see, read it, whatever, whatever medium you're working oh. in. Um, yeah, you gotta, yeah. gotta let go of it. The amount of times that I have went to edit this podcast and thought, wow, do I, am I breathing like really heavy? Or is this just normal? Like, I get so micro yeah. into, so, into like, the frequencies and the wavelengths. And I'm like, am I, like, what is happening here? Am I, like, why does it sound like I'm drooling? Was I drooling? What happened? But it's nice to hear that that may not be the normal person's thought process listening to this. Yeah, I mean, it's, this. I, don't know. I mean, everybody is their own toughest critic and like mm -hmm. I know when I'm recording I'm just like oh god I can hear every sound my mouth is making that I don't yeah. want it to make but yes the average person isn't gonna care okay if like if yeah. what okay there might be one asshole who is super picky about their <laughs> audio quality but hey guess what I'm recording in my living room and we had a very small amount of time where all of our neighbors were gonna be quiet so we have to record yeah. this now um so yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, just most problems that you think are problems are probably not as big of an issue as you think they are. Yeah, if at all. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do, Nicole, we do like to end with a reco of the week. Mm -hmm. So as you might know, since you listen, but do you have a reco of the week for our listeners that they should check out? 
besides the Godfrey Audio Guide <laughs> podcast. You should listen to That's my a show. given. You should listen yeah. to my show that we've been talking about for Obviously. the last hour. Um, I'll stick in the podcast realm uh, since Ooh. that's what we've been talking about. Um, if you, as the peony listener, want uh, to maybe get into more audio dramas, there are a couple of um, podcasts that you should check out that like feature different audio dramas. Um, probably the biggest one is Radio Drama Revival, where they'll air an episode of a show that they are featuring and then they will also have an episode of like an interview with the some of the creative team from that so if mm. listen to an episode mm-hmm. see if it floats your boat um and you can go check it out there and dive down that rabbit hole there's also another one called audio drama debut and that features the trailers of new audio drama so if you want to Take a listen to the trailer, see if uh, anything catches your eye, or like that premise sounds really cool. You can go and find those. So that's my recommendation is to find recommendations <laughs> for, for audio dramas. <laughs> um, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, it's yeah. a good way to kind of sift through. There are so many audio dramas. There are so many, and like so many of them are really great. And it's it you there is not enough time in the day to listen to every single show that you want to listen to and that's a good way to kind of sift through what might be up your alley and what might not be that's great Dope. thank you so much yeah. thank you and thank you for being here and taking the time yeah. to talk to us two ding dongs and and bring <laughs> your grace and your magic to the peony it's been I'm, so great i'm a ding dong too so it's all good yay <laughs> we're all ding dongs here uh, well, thank you so much. Is there was there anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners? I know we just did recos, but <laughs> for sure. Like, oh, um, yeah, if you want to learn more about uh, the Godfrey Audio Guide, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram yes. at the Godfrey Guide uh, on both of those platforms. Our website is the Godfrey Audio Guide dot c a r r d dot co. So card with two r's dot co. Also. Myself and uh, James, we run a nonfiction podcast where we rewatch uh, movies from our past and see if they hold up. It is called What a Movie, a nostalgia-infused podcast, and you can find that show on social media uh, at What a Movie Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. So those are my two shows. Have you rewatched Lost Boys? I have never seen Lost Boys. Okay, Lex, Lex, yep. if you guys have guests at any point, <laughs> we, on our last episode, we talked about Lost Boys. I, I also mm-hmm. have never seen it, and so I plan to and tell Lex whether or not it's actually something that holds up or if she's just blinded by her nostalgia of a blonde, <laughs> mulleted Kiefer Sutherland. It's probably that's awesome in nostalgia but it's fine yeah. that's, well, that's awesome. the whole point of the show it's it, it, the rules are very simple at least one of the hosts has to have seen the film and it has to have been a while that's literally the only parameters that we have Magical. amazing thank you so much yeah, Nicole. thanks for having me this was fun nice nicole is so awesome and i oh, love yeah. tarecos and I feel like we mm-hmm. all need a guide to guide us through all of the content that's out there because there's so freaking much of it. So that was yeah. helpful. I also like her perfection as a myth, is a skewed off-center myth, <laughs> which is true. 
Yeah. My my reco of the week is about a decade or two late. And I'm, this is something that was revealed years ago, and yet I'm just finding out about this and just reading these books. But um, hmm. they are romance novels by Stacey Abrams. Oh, I've heard about these, but I haven't read them. I, oh, I've, yeah, I've, that's right. I've only read one. It's called Reckless. And. She writes under this pen name called Selena mm-hmm. Montgomery, which is an homage to the actress in Bewitched, Elizabeth Montgomery. And Stacey um, Abrams published her first romance novel as when she was in law school. Wow. She's published okay. like eight eight or nine since. I think in, in a decade she published like eight or nine. And they're not just like... They they were picked up by like actual romance publishers that have like huge circulation. Wow! And so I'm I'm almost through Reckless, and she just writes these like strong, incredible women, obviously, and they're steamy and they're great. And um, I was going through and like reading some of the reviews, and people are like. One of the most common complaints about this book series is that the endings are too abrupt. And I'm like, Mm. I I don't know that that's a problem of the author or the book. I think that's just like us like devouring these these books. (laughs) And the only reason I found out about this is because she, Stacey Abrams, has a new novel coming out that's actually a thriller. Oh. Um, It's like this political high stakes thriller and it's gonna be the first novel that comes out under her actual name she's not using a pen name for this wow while justice sleeps is the title of it wow it comes out on in on may 11th so when this episode comes out it will have just hit the market and yeah i'm loving the romance novels you know i love romance novels and i yeah found this out immediately sought out whichever ones i could get that were still in circulation bought them Mm -hmm. and i'm slowly reading through them and they're just fantastic that's so exciting dude and all her and all her female characters are like badass undercover fbi agent like like incredible incredible so yeah my reco of the week is go back and read i mean read her new one i can't speak to how good it is if you like thrillers it sounds the premise sounds cool but definitely if you're into romance novels go ahead and check out all of the all of the uh montgomery files as i'm calling them (laughs) steamy steamy sexy i thought that I thought that's what, like, they are called. And I was like, oh, that's so clever. And it still is. But then we were like, that's what I'm calling them. I was like, amazing. You should pitch that to her and be like, yeah, Montgomery Files. If I Boom. if I get anywhere within the vicinity of the goddess that is Stacey Abrams, <laughs> I doubt I will say anything. I'll just silently stare and gawk at her and just be completely pulled into her magnetic field. And then when I finally do say something, it's probably going to be something so fucking stupid that she's she'll politely <laughs> shake her head at me and just be like, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. And then walk away and be like, who is that nut job? <laughs> we should have you uh, just like write a note to her and just always carry it with you. So that way, when you do meet her, you can just hand her that. Yeah. What is the note? gonna say uh love your work big fan uh 
reckless and the subsequent series should be really referred to as Montgomery Files. And then you can like pepper in whatever else you want to say. Like, thank you for all of your work in the political sphere. You're a hero, an icon, a legend. Okay. I feel like maybe you should write this note for me because my the note in my I mind was literally just like, would you like to be my friend? Please check one. And then it's a yes box and a no box. I mean, it, it could be that as well. <laughs> like, I'm not going to put a lid on, on what this note says. And then a little you smiley I mean? face <laughs> next to the <laughs> yes and a sad face. face next to the no. <laughs> Just like Just to block out it. the no so that way she can't check it. <laughs> Just cut out the square where she would put her mark. Genius. Genius. I'm full of them. The cats, the cats are just playing like musical chairs, and they're just coming in and out. I know. Of my I room see. Right now, so I, I can't see your floor, but I see the door opening and closing on its own, and it's freaking me the fuck out. Yep, it's just Taylor and Haley coming in and out. I'm like, okay, great, uh, whatever. <laughs> you guys suck. Oh, oh so my god. What's your reco of the week? Yeah. Um. So I just started reading The Midnight Library by Matt. Haig, I think is how you say his last name. H-A-I-G. International bestseller. Author of How to Stop Time. Um, and New York Times bestseller. Uh, it's it's great. Is the it? whole the premise is that the main character... Nora? Is that her name? It is One now. Day. Nora. Okay. Yeah, Nora is her name. Um, she is living in Bedford, England. She hates her life. She's... I want to say she's like 35. And just feels like she has a ton of regrets, like nothing is gone the way that she wanted. So she decides one night, uh, tr- trigger warning, she decides one night to take her life. Mm. And she winds up in the Midnight Library, which is purgatory, essentially. And the entire library is filled with all of the different lives she could have lived um, based off of regrets that she has throughout her life so it's like she's presented with initially the book of regrets and it's this heavy tome that has every single regret written down that she's had in her 35 years of life from things as like small as i regret not going to that person's birthday party to as big as like i regret leaving a band like leaving my band right as we were about to sign with a huge studio so studio is that what they're called recording company i was like wait no that's for film um so basically and she can like go through and pick where she wants to like what life she wants to try on um and i think i'm about like uh, a quarter or a third of the way through and it it's it's beautifully written. Um, it moves really quickly. Uh, so if you're somebody who's like a fan of smaller chapters, there you go. But it's great so far, and I'm I'm just I'm excited to see like where it goes. So that wow. is that's my recommendation of the week. Wow. Matt can also get a "Will you be our friend?" with the no cut out. <laughs> Please check the box. Which one? I just I just Google imaged him. Well, I googled him too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. See what else he's written, I guess. But he's adorable looking. He's just this adorable ginger man. Like, I'm very attracted to him. Anyway. I've only looked at his image on the back of the book jacket, and it's in black and white. So I didn't realize he was ginger. Adorable. Mm. Yeah. Love that. I love that. I feel like you and I are so in sync this week. 
We both chose yeah. books and yeah. 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 I will. The other thing I will say about the Midnight Library, and this is something that I appreciate deeply, is you're not sitting there reading Nora's life and like reading about her and going, ugh, of course this was written by a man. Mm -hmm. Like it, there's none of those like stereotypes of she stretched her arms above her head and her breasts move. Like there's none mm -hmm. of that. It's just like, this is what she's experiencing. Mm -hmm. the, these are the regrets that she has. So AKA um, just a good writer. Yeah. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. a good writer. Mm -hmm. Like what? I'm having, uh, having a nice time. Good. Good. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I'll have to check that out. It's great. Uh, when I'm done with it, if you want, I can send it up to you if you want. Hell yeah. Boop, boop. Especially since I'm not allowed to buy any more books. I made a vow that I wouldn't buy any more books until I read all of the ones that are currently in my possession. So I have a wish list that has about 2,000 books on it that just keeps growing. Aww. I know. It's okay. It's okay. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. I was like, share your wish list with me. What if I buy you books? <laughs> wow. Say enabler. Um, <laughs> I don't mind. I don't oh, mind. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> Today was so much fun. Nicole is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah she's great. Y'all check out the Godfrey Audio Guide podcast. Check out uh, shit. What was the uh, the name of the other podcast? What's a movie? So what a movie pod is mm -hmm. uh, where you can find them on all of their social medias. Yeah. AKA Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. And while you're on Twitter and Instagram, why don't you go ahead and throw a follow our way at the PE podcast. Um, also, if you're so inclined, please, please go ahead and give us a review. Five stars would be amazing. The more you review and shout us out, the more people can find us and the more we can grow our community of amazing, badass ding dongs. Welcome to Ding Dong Land. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Uh, today feels like such a, not even a lazy Sunday, but like a cozy Sunday. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Just like mm -hmm. chill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Give us a call, yeah. guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Peony where we believe that culture informs all that we do and art can truly be anything. If you like this episode, please leave us a review, rate us, tell all your friends to subscribe, follow, download. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Talk to you soon. I didn't, I didn't